Hello and welcome to the Time to Unwind podcast. I'm James, I'm your host for today. And uh, today we're joined by a very special guest. Um, Some might say it's been a long time in the making because if any of you have listened to this podcast with me on it before, you will know that barely an episode goes by where I don't mention Christopher Ward and what a great company I think they are. So I am very pleased to say that we've actually got the one and only Mike France on here as a guest. Hello, Mike. How are you? Hi, James. I'm very well, thank you, and delighted to be called a special guest. (laughs) It's unusual. It's unusual. I shall tell my wife immediately. (laughs) Highlight of your day, I should dare say. Oh, absolutely. You have no idea. And also joining us is my colleague, Tim, who I'm sure regular listeners will know. Say hello, Tim. Hello. Hello, James. Hi, Mike. Good to be here. Hi, Tim. Cool. So um, on the off chance that anyone listening to this doesn't know who Christopher Ward are. um, So the brand is obviously a British brand. Uh, They were founded by Mike, um, uh, along with Peter Ellis and Christopher Ward. Um, back in 2005 and um, well they sort of set the tone for um, a lot of what's happening in the industry in many ways and that they were the first watch brand to be solely e-commerce based Um, and from that sort of uh, quite revolutionary start they've continued to go from strength to strength and uh, really get a reputation for offering well, what's your sort of tagline, uh, Mike? It's sort of like, um, you know, the cheapest uh, luxury Swiss watches on the market, isn't it? Uh, n- not not quite. I don't think the copywriters would be pleased to hear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm not allowed to. Okay, sorry. <laughs> we, did, we did. We've never used it. I think the tagline that you're thinking, which was never actually a tagline, it was something I said in an interview back in 2005, I think, which was... Uh, uh, our aim was to produce the, produce the cheapest, most expensive watches in the world. That was it. Sorry, um, it face. was never it was never a tagline, but actually maybe it should have been because everybody still remembers. <laughs> oh, exactly. That, that that's um, that's a sign that your marketing back then was really good because we're all talking about it still. <laughs> so before we get into it, what are you wearing today? Uh, what's what you got on your wrist? I'm wearing um, the C65. Super compressor, ocean blue. Very nice. Um, which um, on a, a vintage oak strap, um, which is uh, currently my fave. But uh, it's like having children, isn't it? Really, they uh, they they change by the uh, by the day, week, or hour sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I can well imagine. And uh, yeah, it's, it's not like there's uh, not plenty of choice. <laughs> Oh but, my God! Can you hear a dog barking in the background? Yes, yes. Is that yours? Can I go? Can I go and sort that out? Can you? <laughs> yeah, stop by it all means. Yeah. <laughs> Hi guys. Ma- Hi. Mabel. Mabel says hello. Oh, hello, Mabel. <laughs> hello, Mabel. <laughs> but, oh, it's, um, I'm glad you're um, wearing that actually, because we reviewed that back in December. Actually, I covered that, and uh, I was a. I was very impressed with the finish. And also the fact that it is a genuine super compressor is is quite the feat. Um, mm. So has that been a, a strong seller uh, for you? Uh, second biggest watch we've ever had. Really? Wow. wow. Uh, second, I guess, to what, the Trident uh, C60? 
Um, yeah, if you take it as an individual watch, the um, the Trident Pro, the C60 Sapphire, and the now the C65 Super Compressor are three huge watches for us. So it's uh, and this color, which is um, you know kind of a teal shade. Mm. Uh, I mean, you guys will know only too well the uh, the trend towards colour in uh, in watches is uh, is ever ever ongoing, and we were um, a little surprised that um, something as vibrant as this um, is actually by far and away the best selling colour. So, um, which uh, again, I think captures that sort of trend and mood um, that that's uh, whizzing through the watch world now. But it's not. But it's not green. I was about to say, yeah, get, get <laughs> green one. <laughs> uh, well, are there, we'll get onto this, but as you've touched on it now, are, are there plans to introduce green watches to the range? Because uh, a couple of people were asking. Is, uh, is something going on in the world of watches and green then? Not, not, <laughs> well, it seems we ha- so. We haven't spotted, we haven't spotted it. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, well, well, I mean, we've always had, uh, and right now in the range we have a green watch, but uh, we've all, we've always had uh, green watches. But there's no question. I mean, um, mm. you know, green has now gone mainstream. Yeah, mm. um, it, I I won't tell you where I found out, but I, I I've just uh, I've just managed to find out the mix of green in Omega's collection. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, and it's rivaling blue. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's um, so it's. Um, there's no question, I think, that um, um, green has gone mainstream. I think there's a really interesting question about how long that will uh, that will last. My suspicion is because green is actually not the easiest of colours to wear, um, particularly for men. I suspect it won't last anywhere like as long as blue, which I think blue has now yeah. become, you know, along with black and white. It's that's a, that's that's cemented yeah, it's a staple. In, Yes, it is. I don't think green will be like that personally. Uh, I hope it is, um, mm. but um, we don't see that. And we, yes, um, you will be shocked to hear that we are, uh, we are, and we have already um, tabled in um, uh, green launches. But and the, the trend has been there, as you, as you guys know mm. as well, not better than I, that for for at least a couple of years, um, it really started to. And people like Moser have always been into mm. green always done a brilliant job i i think of um, of that particular color the spectrum of greens is an interesting spectrum and we've taken a i'm not going to tell you what it is but we've taken a position on green because we think um uh we want to be more towards the in inverted commas contemporary end of it but we also didn't want just to do green the way everybody else is doing green mm. so we have developed something that will land in the autumn sometime in the autumn which will i mean you know it's uh it sounds a bit like um a bit like the x factor when you say it's something we own because don't they all own that song um <laughs> own that song um, um <laughs> we like to fa- we think we found a way in which we can sort of have a particular christopher ward spin on green okay um, will be i think um hopefully will whet a few people's appetites i'm very intrigued something to yeah. look forward to for you <laughs> yeah oh i can't wait to get that to <laughs> press release through later in the year yeah oh brilliant I and mean, i you'll be pleased to hear I, I donned a christopher ward for the occasion um i've got 
Yeah, I've got the the blackout, the worn and wine blackout. I, I spotted it within about two nanoseconds. <laughs> <laughs> nice, good. Keen eyes, well, keen eyes. Well, well done. So it's. Uh, I think they. I mean, we because it very much was in partnership with. Uh, yeah. With Zach and Blake and the crew, and uh, uh, you know, the inspiration, the original inspiration was actually Zach's, and uh, mm. I think it's. I think it's a terrific watch. Um, and I think I said to them, uh, if it, I wish I'd put it into the main range, actually, because I think it would be a riot. But there you go. Can't win them all. No, exactly. I, I think the finishing on it is top notch. Some of the best ever. And what, yeah, I, what I, why I bought it and I bought it as soon as it came out um, on their website is um, just because it is so different. It's, it's not just another watch, um, yet it's still like it's 38 mil it's not too big it's got the box crystal that you guys do so well um so yeah it just really appealed so <laughs> that's well, definitely a keeper that's that's uh, so it's a genuine purchase yeah 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 i um i did actually um i emailed declan because i didn't know how quickly it'd sell out um so i emailed declan be like hey hey do you do you know um you know <laughs> whether i can whether i'll definitely be able to get one and he was like don't, don't worry it'll be fine yeah, I was yeah, just checking, like, um, just, just availability, I guess. Yeah, they'll have gone. I think they're all scheduled to have vanished within the next couple of weeks, two or three weeks. Um, so, uh, which I think, because I think there were there were three 300 across the two. Yeah. And we didn't retail them. It was all through. Mm. Um, so I think it's uh, they've done a really good job all around. So well yeah. done. Well done to them. No, it's really. great. Do you think there'll be any more collaborations on the horizon? Why would you like one? Yeah, yeah, we've we've got one in the works. Actually. That would be that would be career over for James. You could retire yeah. if I. I'll be like, boom, boom. Collab with Christopher Ward. James done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we've been approached by um, quite a few people. Um, there has to be a good reason for it. Yeah, of course. Uh, I think, um, and we have to kind of like the people we're collaborating with. So that rules you lot out. I mean... Um, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, great to have you on, Mike. We'll have to move on. <laughs> <laughs> I think there'll be a, a wall and wound, uh, a blackout on the, on eBay very soon. Yeah. Yes. Um, Why no, I'm but... done with Christopher Wood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been insulted by bigger brands than them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I, listen, if you guys, uh, if you guys have a, uh, a real... And I know you're a fan of the brand, James, so uh, I, I'm only joshing. Um, but, um, you know, if, if there was a really good reason uh, and you had a good idea, because uh, we genuinely would want it to be a collaboration. We'd like it to be something that comes from the collaborator rather than us imposing. We will work it and we will, as I think we did with the Warner Wound, improve it because mm. we, we should be able to do that sort of stuff. That's what we do for a job. Um uh, but a genuine collaboration that that has um, that has a, re- a raison d'être, uh, and if you're interested, I'm interested, and we'll 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 work with it on you. Wow, that is that is an offer that I would be very <laughs> excited to do at some point in the near future. So I'm sure I'm sure I'll be in touch, Mike. No, it's a serious no? offer. No, I know. Thank you. And I've been genuinely, I'm, I'm like, oh, that would, that would mean a lot to me. So, and it is something like I mentioned, we're actually working with um, one of the brands. I, I won't give too much away, but one of the brands we retail on the website, we're working with yeah. uh, on 
uh, a couple of collaboration pieces mm -hmm. that we're going to bring out, a couple of dial options. I'll leave people guessing, but uh, if all be goes well, we're hoping to, you know, do it uh, a lot more with brands that not just that we retail, but that we work with and cover on the magazine. So it's it's been in our mind for a, a few months now, at least. Great. So great, cool. Um, so yeah, how's how's the company uh, done over the past year? And I'm sure it's done well, but I'd be interested to hear how things have gone in well the unprecedented times we live in. Yes, what, what, a, what an interesting year. Um, our sales uh, return for the for the year March or April to March, which is our financial year. Um, mm. uh, it, if you take the um, if you take the Bain uh, report on the uh, the luxury watch industry, which mm. was re released uh, in the spring, which is I think reasonably accurate normally uh, and they have they'll obviously have good access to to data it mm. would appear that the <clears throat> the watch in the, the luxury end of the watch industry which as we know is completely dominated by swiss brands um mm. finished the year 30 percent down on the previous year mm. so it's the industry and that's the impact of obviously of uh, of uh, covid on the industry which is you know, not a small impact and uh, one that uh, nobody can delight in. Uh, mm. We've been very lucky, um, partly because we were able to continue to trade because mm. we didn't have stores. Um, and therefore, we've been able to increase our market share and we finished the year 30% up on the year. So, you know, that obviously won't continue this year. Um, one hopes because, uh, you know, really, we really genuinely do not delight in the, uh, in the industry suffering to that extent. And I'm sure it will bounce back and there are signs mm. the the, the um, watch industry, uh, the, the Swiss industry published its um, March export figures yesterday. So there's clearly a big bounce back in play. Mm. And mm. I think personally, I think we will, you know, the US market for us at the moment is absolutely storming, um, mm. astonishing. And so you can see, um, you know, the sort of the bounce back from COVID is, kick-started in the US for us because we don't have a Chinese business. If we had a Chinese business, and you can't really have a Chinese business unless you have physical stores, mm -hmm. where brand can grow uh, penetration in uh, China is having a physical presence. That's that's the way their mentality is. I think that will change in time. Uh, so China isn't, uh, China isn't um, significant to us. And of course, China was the least um, impacted over the last 12 months. Um, mm. it, it, it went into COVID first, as we know, but it also came out very rapidly. So it's the only the only region of the world that grew last year. Um, every other region, but particularly um, the US, um, declined. And now, I think on the back of Trump out, um, you know, Biden, uh, you know, some somebody somebody uh, with a mental age above six running. <laughs> Running the world's uh, the world's largest economy, I think is uh, is helping to um, helping to um, generate growth in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And you know, brands other than us, but including us, um, are really benefiting at the moment from that. And the U.K. is now beginning with the with the vaccination program. In you know, what what a great job everyone's done around that. Mm -hmm. We're all we're now seeing real benefit uh, in the U.K. And I think that's the way it's going to be. Um, as, as people sort of um, get to grips with and we all get confidence and we're all released from lockdown, um, I think we're going to see a huge V bounce back. Mm. Um, I think it'll be much more rapid than 
some people think it's going to be. Mm-hmm. That's the evidence already in the States. Yeah, so, well, it's, that's encouraging to know. So <laughs> fingers crossed that, that that is the case. But I, th- I think you're right. I think it's definitely going to come back quite sharply people want to spend money I certainly do anyway um but yeah talk, talking about um I guess how the industry has been affected obviously as a means of coping a lot of the traditional brands uh started to shift strong more put a more stronger emphasis on e-commerce um which is of course pretty much your USP as a brand um do you think that it's going to be, I guess, an issue in sort of Christopher Ward maintaining their edge? Or do you think that, you know, you now as a brand are strong enough and have, you know, USPs in terms of the product you offer that even as the industry transitions more to e-commerce, you you guys are still going to have your niche and be able to grow because, you know, you've spent the past sort of 15 years building <clears throat> Um, to be honest, I'm absolutely delighted that um, there was a shift to um, increasing the share of e-commerce by luxury brands. But the reason being um, that the more barriers are broken down mm. um, in terms of people being prepared to buy online something that is, um, you know, an, an investment purchase or certainly a, a, a considered purchase. These aren't things, as we all know, watches aren't things that people sort of. Uh, it's not like underwear, is it? You're not. Uh, you're not. You're not. You're not. You're not. Not. Not desperately in need of a watch. Um, so. Um, you tend the purchasing cycle tends to be quite uh, you know uh, long and the the period between is quite extensive and there's no question that still today there is um, you know amongst um, um, a large part of the population a resistance to um, testing the water or buying a product such as a watch online mm. and so it's a bit like um, you know do I do I worry about um, uh, smart watches no I think it's fantastic mm. because it's encouraging people to get things on their wrist um, yeah. and as your appreciation for things moves away from the purely functional mm. to um, and being on all the time to appreciating the finer things in life, not just for the value that they offer and the functionality they give you. I think smartwatches can do a lot to keep fueling the interest in the sort of engineering that we are all involved and interested in. Um, so in the same way, I think, um, you know, the more people um, uh, experience and get comfortable buying mm. online, the better for everybody and the better for us. Uh, and mm. certainly the last 12 months, you know, has seen a uh, you know a five-year growth plan for online retail happen in 12 months, um, mm. and that that's that's I think a, a good thing, frankly. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Yeah, and uh, I think I think you're right. I think a lot of people when the Apple Watch came out were worried that it would kill the watch industry, um, and fortunately, it seems it seems sort of to have had the the almost the opposite effect. And as you say, people are putting stuff back on their wrist again now. Um, and then they're thinking, oh, it'd be quite nice to sort of almost from a jewelry sort of perspective of, you know, yeah. having having it there as a fashion item, even though like we, we tell ourselves that watches are not fashion items. We're wearing them because of their mechanical brilliance. Um, <laughs> the, lie, the lies I tell myself. At least. Um, it's, it reminds me a lot of, I, I, I don't know if it was a genuine statement from the brand, but it reminds me a lot of um, stories I've heard from, people asking Rolex about their stance on fake watches and homages around the world and that sort of thing. 
and the the phrase or the answer I've always heard is that actually they're not really that bothered about it because to start with they can't really can not really going to be able to do much because it's the the most faked thing in the world. But also they'll they'll know that eventually if you're buying a fake watch you're going to start earning more money in the future and you're probably going to want to replace it for a real one down the line. So whether it be a fake yeah. one or homage or whatever, more than likely those customers will come back to Rolex. Uh, yeah, I think you're probably right, Tim. I think um, the only reason you would probably buy a fake Rolex um, is because you can't afford a proper mm. one. And so they're not real Rolex customers anyway. Mm. <laughs> so until they get up to the point where they can afford a Rolex, you know, the Rolex yeah. aren't miss it, missing out. Um, so and then one of the one of the. The, the high points of my life in the last couple of years, to I think it was about three years ago, is when um, we discovered that um, uh, we were being ripped off. Um, and you know, so if, if, uh, imitation, okay, yeah. if, if, if imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, that was a high. That was a high watermark. You're yeah. doing something right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I do yeah. recall that in Victor of all people, I think <laughs> homaged the Apex C60, didn't they? And everyone was just like. Wow, you've made it, guys! Order <laughs> <laughs> up there, and Victor have brought out a homage. Yeah, I mean that was that was astonishing, wasn't it? I mean they yeah. they, they might have uh, they might have um, tried to disguise it a little bit, but uh, um, yeah, I mean for a brand like Invicta, I, uh, you know, to do that was was quite incredible, uh, and uh, we secured a huge amount of. Um, of time uh, online and elsewhere as a result of it. So thank you, Invicta. <laughs> yeah. Crack on. Let, let, wh yeah, which, please do. Which, which watches do you want me to send you next? You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Brilliant. But talking about models and stuff, um, would you be able to give us a bit of a snapshot into where sort of the company's going? Like what, what are your aims in terms of, I guess, the direction you're heading in the next sort of year or two? What are you hoping to achieve in the near future? Oh, you, well, you mean in a product sense or in a... In yeah, a... like, I, I mean, I think quite a few people are curious as to sort of, um, yeah, the, the ranges you guys are bringing out, where your focus is going to be in the next couple of years, um, just because obviously the brand has, you know, quite a big fan base and everyone's got their favourite models or their favourite sure. lines. Sure. Um I think you'll see, I mean, it sounds a dull response in some ways, but um, um, what we've been doing over the past five years is mm. we've been um, uh, building platforms, if you will, it's a bit mm. like a car industry, isn't it? Um, and uh, we're going to, hopefully, anyway, we'll be talking about the uh, the Sealander shortly, and the Sealander mm. was one of the missing platforms that we had. Mm. Um, with the, the core platforms being... Um, the Trident, the contemporary C60 Trident, mm -hmm. the C65 Trident, which is the retro yeah. um, dive. Now the Sealander, which fills the gap between the two in a sense, which is more towards the contemporary, even though its roots uh, clearly in the, the mid-50s uh, in terms of its aesthetic. Um, but we've contemporized it, I hope, um, I hope successfully. The customers will tell us that. Um, so that those 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 are the three biggest commercial platforms in mm. uh, in watchmaking at the moment in watches you know it's a bit yeah. like um you know when people talk about complications and movements um you know if you take um if you take the um an automatic uh a gmt 
uh, and and a chronograph, and I'll come on to the chronograph. You know, that's ninety five percent of all the movements in the watch industry. Mm. You know? The rest are they get a lot of airtime. And sometimes rightly so, because people are doing really interesting stuff with them. But actually, in terms of their importance to the consumer in mm. the industry that we work in, they're relatively small scale. And even chronographs are mm. a surprisingly small part of the total, you know, a surprisingly small part. Uh, again, a brand I've just got some information from, very big brand, you know, who's famous for chronographs. Only 10% of their turnover is associated with chronographs, you know. Um, so, but you would not know or think that if you were to follow their marketing mm. think, and their heritage. So, um, we are um, we we are focused on those three platforms will be developed. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think with the with with what we've um, what we're about to introduce, what we're just introducing with the Sealander, yeah, that was the sort of missing link that we had. Um, one of the reasons uh, we came to it, and, and frankly, I can't believe that we took so long to get to it. I mean, that's, that's you know, what were we doing? Um, you know, asleep at the wheel, I had been. <laughs> um, but we were, we were working and still are working on um, finding an interesting route to do. Um, and we may not get there because we haven't as yet. Finding an interesting route uh, to integrated Um watches yeah i mean that's another one of the trends that is uh, around and has been around for some mm. time i mean you know i don't think anybody's quite captured the magic of the uh, of the uh, 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 of the royal oak frankly mm. but um and that's part of the reason that we 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 we've stalled the development because we it wasn't it wasn't interesting enough it wasn't doing something different enough to that which is already being done. But during that com during that sort of period, going back two and a half, three years ago now, um, it occurred to us that as well as um, integrated being a trend, one of the interesting sort of trends underneath the trend, if you like, is this mm. greater interest in bracelets. Yeah. Um, which we see as you know a, a trend. Not, I mean, Rolex have always been a bracelet brand, and therefore anything Rolex does completely skews any number in the in the in the watch world, as we all know. But I think generally and genuinely, the the, the move towards bracelets um, was obvious to us. Mm. And so, whilst that would have been um, something that an integrated would have resolved. Um, because we weren't happy with the direction that we were then going that in that route in uh, towards an integrated, we said, well, where else would you look? Where would where else would one look in the world of what people want to wear on their wrists uh, that we are not that we think we could do something interesting in? Mm. And you know, shock horror, um, and you know, you know, the nod towards the explorer, the explorer two. And the Aquaterras, because and which itself is a nod towards the Explorer and the Explorer. Yeah. That that is a that is that was a world that we've really never tackled in yeah. any sort of serious way. So we set about saying, right, okay, we think we can do something really interesting here. We've got a design language um, that we've developed in the Trident mm. C6C and C60, particularly the C60 Trident, that we think can translate, be different but translate in here. And can we find a route? to do something interesting that we think could become that missing platform. And, you know, 
couple of years later, um, you know, we're launching the Sea Lander, which we hope is that missing platform. Mm. Now, always the consumer, the customer will always tell you rather than whatever you think. Yeah. But if um, if there is a reward for the effort of the guys who've um, worked for two years on this, um, on the three models that we're introducing, you know, then it will be successful because the amount of work that's gone in to get it as good as we can make it mm. Um, is, has been quite profound and um, and quite humbling when because you know the, the, you know, I, 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 I just steer the ship. These guys are uh, are, are in the engine room, yeah. sort of, um, doing it all, and um, I think they've come up with the, both the design team, and the engineering team, and the you know, the manufacturing team have come up with something that I think does set us apart, mm. um, and is at the essence in, in many ways of what. Christopher Ward is about now mm. and will be about going forward, which is never forgetting our value routes. Yeah. Always looking to be accessible mm-hmm. one end. And then at the other end, trying to push the boundaries of technical progress. Mm. So just the same way that we did with the super yeah. Um, You know, with the uh, Sealander Elite, you know, to, to be creating a, a a watch of that ilk with a retractable crown um, mm. at the price point we're going out at, um, I'll say it. Others, you know, but it's astonishing, and I'm very mm. proud of the fact and um, uh, that we're able to do that. Part of it's just because um, of our model. I mean, it's not very clever, you know, <laughs> whatever whatever it costs us. Um, you know, that becomes the, we multiply it by three to cover over and give us a fair margin. And that's it. But mm. to lead in at 1150 on a, um, on a titanium chronometer with a retractable crown is pretty impressive. And when mm. you will know the marketplace and you'll know the nearest competitor to it is 40,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that the Omega. It was an Aquaterra model. Am I right in thinking they? Yeah, did? yeah, yeah, Field yeah. Light. Field for light. Yeah, um, and, and that became an inspiration for us. Mm-hmm. Omega will be delighted to to hear that. I'm sure. But mm-hmm. you know how you know how can we how can we absolutely mm-hmm. smash it? You know, um, and we have. Yeah. No. Exactly. Um, and you, you've segued perfectly into talking about the Sealander collection because my first thing i was going to ask you about it is is how it fits into the range which you've just covered so <laughs> perfect um but as you talk about this retractable crown uh, on the sealander elite um yeah. i'll just yeah. ask how difficult was that for you guys to engineer because it, it seems quite the technical feat from a layman like me well it, it, it i it, it is a very it is a technical feat um and it's not all of our engineering yeah mm. um what we've worked with, um, there are—I don't know if you know—but there are there are two. There are really only two crown manufacturers in, in well, one's in Switzerland, mm. and the other's in France. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, all of the top-end brands um, use one or other of, of these people. Mm. Um, one of them has uh, a patent on this retractable crown. Yeah? yeah, and we went to them when we decide and the, the 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 inspiration for it is is not nothing more um nothing cleverer than i did ride london a couple of years ago um and um which nearly killed me but um was a great day 
riding 100 miles uh, up and down Box Hill, etc. And mm. in all of the training, I'm clearly not going to be a person who's going to wear a Garmin or a smartwatch, am I? So um, <laughs> in all of the training, you know, I'm mm. wearing whichever watch of ours it was at the time. Uh, and of course, on a racing uh, bike, um, your, your, your wrists are, your, your hands are cocked back and the crown digs into your, the back of your hand. And it's bloody uncomfortable, frankly. It really is very uncomfortable. Mm. And so I was irritated by this. Um, and we were in the process of going through the development of what the Sealander was going to be. We were looking for something that was, you know, frankly, good, better, and the best part of it, which was mm-hmm. in, our, in our world is the elite. Um, and, uh, and we came to the conclusion that one of the things we could do was to find a retractable crown. Uh, so we went to, uh, went to uh, one of these two um, crown manufacturers who have the patent and worked with them because what it had to be, what we then together had to do was develop it so it was right for the Sealander Elite. So mm. we did have a, an involvement in it, but the real cleverness of it and the brilliance of it is, is not ours, but the, the, the crown manufacturer. Um, and, you know, I, I you know, um, it, it's just a, a real feature. Um, that, that again, there are only, as far as we can see, there are only a couple of watches with it at the moment. Um, mm. Mm. I think it'll grow, I think, a, a lot more. Um, but, you know, if I tell you that, uh, you know, that crown is about uh, 12% of the cost of the watch. Yeah. <laughs> That does not so, surprise me, having just heard you explain about the yeah. patenting then and, yeah. and the, the manufacturing side of it. Um, it's, very, it's very clever stuff, but it, yeah. it, it, it's not of our invention. No. Um, but, uh, but working with these guys, and that's what we do. You mm. know, we work with people like um, Armin Strom, for instance, on, the, mm. uh, yeah. uh, on, on developments of, and there's one in the works at the moment, which is, I hope, going to... Um, going to be a you know a, a wonderful watch in uh, in yeah. in that will launch in november um just an incredible movement on um mm. in all ways so uh, and that's what back to collaborations mm. um you know we 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 believe that um bringing people together you know we can't a business of our size and there aren't many in the watch industry frankly rolex is probably one of the few exceptions patek maybe but patek Farm out all sorts of stuff. You know, we our um, our our Calibre SH21. Um, some of our uh, the, the components for the the, the SH21 movements are are being CNC'd alongside CNC machines that have got Patek um, components being made. So that is the way the watch industry yeah. has always operated. Frankly, mm. uh, it used to be the way 200 years ago that the the, the cottage uh, watch industry in this country used to operate largely, uh, largely around Clerkenwell, mm. and you'd, pe- people would be dipping in and out. Um, you know, even even as late as the 50s and the 60s in Switzerland. You know, one of the reasons that um, most of the watches all looked the same was because they were all going to the same places. To there were no designers. Yeah, mm. there were there were there were dial manufacturers and case manufacturers and hand manufacturers and they had a limited number of different designs 
And so you might go to case manufacturer A and take one of their three designs, dial manufacturer B, and you're, you're yeah, but that might be just one or two different to the one I went to. So, you know, mm. you had this sort of um, uh, look, um, and that, that's broken down a bit now. Um, not as much as you'd think. Um, mm. You know, there's still, uh, there's still a huge amount of, one of the things that uh, I don't like is uh, about the, the industry that we're in. I love the industry we're in in so many ways, but the opaqueness um, of what mm. goes on is, is still, which gave rise in some ways to the brand Christopher Ward, yeah. um, still irritates me the hell out of me because it's, uh, you know, the, the, it's just, there's no need for it. You know, there's, 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 people will find out eventually and that's one of the benefits of the internet. Um, mm. Well, that's the, the quest for um, in-houseness as well, isn't there? That's certainly been something that people have been chasing for a while. And people like yourselves and MBNF and FIAs recently as well have kind of come out and said, you know, we we work with with people. Here's where we get all of this, this stuff from. Yeah. Um, and it is almost re reverting back to that honesty, which is almost more appealing than kind mm. of fudging some sort of in-houseness. Yeah, I, c I couldn't agree more, Tim. And, and it's more interesting. I mean, it's, um, you know, the, the, the stories that um, are involved in these things are, are mm. far more intricate yeah. and interesting than, than the bullshit that, um, that, that so many people just peddle, um, mm. you know, because it, it, it is and it's not always easy to, to, to work collaboratively um, uh, and bring people together from different disciplines. Um, but when, you, when it does, um, it fires more things than you normally get from a narrow uh yeah. a narrow in-house perspective and mm. that's you know, that that's 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 what we were about or try to mm. do about i feel yeah. like the the in-house um thing it's, it's it's a dangerous rabbit hole to go down because there's this idea that you've got to present that front but actually by being transparent mm. you uh, the consumer can appreciate i think a lot more why a watch might cost what it costs yeah. um and I think I think uh, Nick from Fears that Tim mentioned has always been quite open about where he sources stuff. But I think where he yeah. has got used as suppliers has changed a hell of a lot since he started. Because I think initially he was trying to chase that in-house or that British rabbit hole of I've got to get as much of this made in Britain as possible. And the problem mm. with that is there aren't that many watchmakers or people with the capability and the the willingness to do that in Britain anymore. So as he's gone on to keep the watch um, affordable, he's actually had to outsource to dedicated case manufacturers, I think is probably the, the most notable one. I believe they're German made now, but I think mm. initially he, yeah. he was trying Britain. And obviously you listen to his stories about his margins and how slim they were initially because mm. he was trying to source everything in the UK. And it doesn't well, surprise me. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm delighted because I know Nick very well. Um, mm. And he's uh, one of the founding members of uh, the Alliance. Yeah. Um, mm. um, but, um, you know, um, I'm, I'm pleased to say, um, you know, we were able to help um, mm. uh, Nick as well with some movements, um, you know, uh, which uh, he was having difficulty getting hold of. So, mm. and that, why wouldn't we? I mean, um, yeah. it's, 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 you know, it's, um, I think, I think he and Fia's doing a fantastic job. I mean, uh, um, and, and he is honest and open and transparent. Mm -hmm. and there is, there are so few like that. Yeah. Um, and for me, it's much more interesting when you understand all of the intricacies rather than the, um, the opaque sheet that is put mm -hmm. up by so many people.
Well, that, that kind of comes back to a point that was mentioned earlier that actually the watch industry is still a, a really small industry. And I think once you kind of dip your toe into it and, and get to know a few people, you start to realize that everyone knows everyone and everyone helps each other out. And I think when if you start comparing it to other industries, from, from my side of things, it looks like it's a very small one, um, which you know is, is obviously a benefit in, in some cases, as well as um, you know help, being able to help everyone out. Well, I mean, I, I think you probably, are you talking about the British um, sector? Mm. Yeah, because uh, it certainly wouldn't be necessary. It's not true by and large in Switzerland. They're very, uh, most, a lot of, particularly the, the bigger brands are very, very sort of uh, uh, segmented. They're not, they're, there's not a lot of um, collusion going on there. Mm. Um, but in this country, um, I couldn't agree more. And it's, and mm. it's beginning to, it's beginning to multiply uh, and, I'd like to think part of that is as a result of um, the of the alliance being around. Mm. I mean, we we are about to um, welcome the 60th British brand in joining the alliance, mm. uh, and 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 who knew um, that there were going to be 60 brands, yeah. after, you know, in in the sector. So um, and and what that's beginning to to foster is if you bring people together and you share information, guess what? <laughs> Things you didn't know, you know. Things you now know may, may be of interest and use to you. So further conversations take place and things grow. So, so you know, when you, when you shine, shine lights and sunshine on things, there's a tendency for them to grow. So forming the sector, making it have, become a sector. I mean, the government had no idea there was a sector. Uh, mm -hmm watchmaking most people in british watchmaking didn't know there was anything of this size mm. um and it's still small i mean by 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 swiss standards and even by german standards it's tiny at the moment but it's growing fast and i think you know we are a um, as a nation you know we 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 are innovative um you know we we we, we kind of invented engineering for christ's sakes you know um you know, still and all, you know, nearly all of the, the major inventions in watchmaking of the, uh, came from these shores. And still today, if you only go back um, as far as um, George Daniels and then the work that Roger is doing um, at the moment, the development of the coaxial movement, of the coaxial escapement, mm. is, is, you know, without question, the most, um, the most um, important development in watchmaking in the last 100, 150 years. Mm. Um, and that came from these shores. You know, Roger's working with Manchester Metropolitan um, University at the moment on nanotechnology, which has the capacity to transform this industry. You know, I mean, you know, what do we know? We know that, um, you know, lubric oils, lubrications are the anathema to watchmaking. Yeah. Um, what if you didn't need them? Wow. <laughs> what you, would, you, you know, well, with this nano technology this nano coating that manchester are working with in uh, collaboration with roger if that works and it's shown some early interesting signs of doing so but it's not yet there uh, then that transforms this industry mm. it means that you may never need to have your watch serviced ever again it means the accuracy of, of your watch all things being equal will never vary mm. and these are this is, and you know, is that happening in Switzerland? No, it's happening here. Uh, so there are things that people aren't really even aware of. And I think that's, you know, why can't I, I, I doubt in my lifetime, 
um, we'll see a huge commercial watch sector in this country. Yeah, mm. I think we'll see a, 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 a growing one and it will achieve a, a certain scale. But mm -hmm. I do believe we could become the Formula One. Yeah. So, you know, in the automotive industry, we're hardly the leaders. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but we are the leaders in the technology and we are the leaders in advanced things. And F1, you know, feeds that entire industry, the automotive industry. And yeah. We all benefit as well. So why, why couldn't we, with the innovation that we're famous for, with some of the, uh, provided that we capture more and more um, bright, um, you know, forward-thinking people into the industry. And as I've said quite recently, I think right now there are more um, people with real ability involved in the watch industry and clock industry in this country than probably at any time for the last 200 years. So if we can encourage more people into the industry, yeah, give it a shine a light on the sector, shine a light on British watches and British watchmaking and British brands, yeah, it's not all about everything's got to be made here it's, but it's about british brands you know mm. british owned companies if we can do that and if the alliance can help in doing that and we can all grow this brilliant watchmaking sector that's emerging again this renaissance that's going on then how fantastic will that be um and you know the brand britain stands for an awful lot still um and and we've got more heritage in watchmaking than any other sector of engineering so I, I think it's really, really an exciting time to be involved in British watchmaking. Um, it's all ahead of us. We can screw it up because we do screw things up from time to time <laughs> as a country. Um, but, but, you know, back to your point, mm. there's a real hunger and willingness to work together that we've discovered mm. um, through the Alliance. And I just think that's just the most inspiring thing mm. um, for all of us, really. Well, well said, well said, and I'm very glad we've uh, we've got our membership. So <laughs> we're well dressed. <laughs> but yeah, going back to the Sealander collection, um, because when this podcast goes out, it should go out the same day of the launch. So yeah. uh, you know, it'll be hot news. Um, so obviously, for those who haven't seen it yet, you're just hearing about it for the first time. You've got three new watches. So it's a C63 Sealander automatic, which is mm -hmm. three lap, just a three-hander. Then we've got with the GMT. Um, we, oh yeah, with date. Uh, then you've, we've got the GMT again with date, and then the Elite, which is a three-hander with date in a titanium case and that retractable crown we talked about earlier. Now yeah. the three-hander and the GMT, as you touched on um, earlier in the episode, um, are very clearly um, explorer-inspired. Um, now, do you feel that there was um, a real gap in the market? And I'm thinking especially of, say, the Explorer 1, uh, the original, um, for a watch like that. Because, I mean, speaking personally, it's an in, it, it's sort of a subgenre of watch that I've um, like always wanted a watch that fills that niche. But I don't actually think there's much that really has the same look and feel of the Explorer. Um, for various reasons. Uh, would you say that that's the case and that that's why you've made a watch that sort of fits in there? Um, I wish it was quite as scientifically uh, decided <laughs> as that. Um, but um, in part, I think you're right. Um, yeah. um, there's, there's, it's, it's, it's actually my favourite of the three 
um, uh-huh. watches because um, I think it's just uh, it's the purest example mm-hmm. of, of 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 when you t- when you pair things down mm. the quality of the engineering the quality of the finishing the 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 everything about it has to be right yeah, yeah. and you know this watch that we've created all three are mm. from the same engineering route but at at 595 mm. yeah entry level to have a watch of this quality yeah. on your wrist you know i will defy there are loads of watches at 595 you know or there or thereabouts somebody if somebody can bring a watch to maidenhead around that price mm. that matches the quality of this i'll give them a free watch yeah um because there is no watch anywhere that comes mm. anywhere near the level of engineering quality that we're putting into this mm. and it's and it's because it's because it's a simple design essentially mm. It, it, its beauty is greater as a result mm. for me. So I love, I love the, I love the automatic, the 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 uh, the GMT. Of most people who've seen that have just gone yes, you know. Um, yeah. and, uh, we we are we are expecting that or the elite to be the best seller. We yeah. are expecting the the GMT to, to be the best seller in volume, and we mm. expect the elite to be the best selling. Uh, uh, cash uh, taker. Yeah. We're probably going to be wrong, <laughs> <laughs> and, until 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 we teach the customer to buy to the estimates we put down, we've got a problem. <laughs> they just they just never buy to estimate. Um, but um, yeah. that's what we feel, and that's been the reaction yeah. so far. Um, personally, I yeah. love the automatic, and I think it mm-hmm. absolutely gets to what yeah. we are about at our core. I agree. Yeah. I like the automatic the most. Actually. Well, yeah. yeah, same, yeah. same. Um, oh, and I think it's funny because I think it will be a bit of a sleeper hit because just mm. yesterday I was asking the, like I say, the enthusiast group, I was saying, you've got any questions? And one guy, um, actually, he put out a load of photoshops he'd done of like he, what he'd like you to design. And yeah. I really had to bite my tongue because obviously I couldn't say to him, you've pretty much put out what they've got with the automatic. Because <laughs> he, yeah. he pretty much nailed it. <laughs> well, well, you might let me have his details and we'll sign him up. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give him a shout out. I think it was a gentleman by the name of Alex Anderson. Ah. Uh, so he came up with a load of designs. I think his used the, the Sandhurst case. Um, yeah yeah but yeah. it was just uh yeah but the dial and handset he's got bang on and i was like oh mate i, I can't wait to tell you how, how <laughs> right you've got it uh, that, but that, it looks... well, well done alex and uh you know please uh, get in touch with me directly and uh we'd love to love to uh love to have a chat and um and invite you into the office you can talk to the design team oh i'm sure he'd love that um i'll, I'll definitely let him know um yeah. but Talking about cases and that, that actually brings me on to one of my questions I had, which was mm. both the GMT and the automatic, you've gone with um, 39 millimeters. Yeah. Um, and given um, your existing range where, uh, well, it's a new size for you guys, um, but also given that Rolex obviously have just moved the Explorer back to 36. 36. Yeah. Now, yeah. It's an interesting sizing choice. I was just wondering whether you, why you went with 39 mil rather than using one of your existing sizes and, and whether or not you, in hindsight of the past couple of weeks, are perhaps wishing you'd uh, 
gone for 38 or something like that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, actually, it's a, it's a completely new case, uh, not yeah. just in size, because mm. although it's it's taking the light catcher architecture that we've yeah. uh, established, well established now, it's, uh, it's a sort of a... Whereas the C65 is softer, reflecting that sort of retro feel, mm. and the C60 is highly contemporary and very sharp, much sharper lines. This mm. sits somewhere in, in between mm. the two. When you, when you look at the three lines together, that yeah. was the intention. Mm. Uh, but it nods more towards um, the C60 than it does the C65. Yeah. Um, in terms of the size, um, uh, I, there's, you know, there, there is, a, uh, as you know, only too yeah. well, the, the movement over the past you know, three, four years now mm. has been this gradual easing back, easing back, easing back. Mm. We think today uh, that 38 stroke 39 mil for this sort of watch mm. uh, is the, the current sweet spot. Yeah. yeah. Um, we did consider taking it down to 38, but we thought that was just a little too small. Mm. I have to say, I, I, I think the, the only brave thing that I think Rolex did <laughs> Times was actually, and, and I applaud them for it. Um, is is taking the the Explorer One back down to thirty six, mm. knowing the impact that Rolex has on um, on the world of watches. Uh, I suspect that will herald a slight acceleration yeah. in production in case size. Mm. And we already before they announced that we've all depending on depending on. Um, where the Sealander ends up in terms of its reception, mm. its, its sales, yeah, we'd already mooted having two sizes, yeah, mm. and the second size wasn't going to be forty-three. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if it's as big, um, there's no question today commercially, yeah, thirty-nine will massively outsell a thirty-six, mm. yeah, absolutely no doubt, yeah. But if the 39 mil is big enough, yeah, mm. in terms of commercial success, then that may give us the confidence to say, right, there are there's a there's a two two size opportunity here. Mm, yeah. I think that's highly possible, but we won't know until the customer yeah. tells us. So you're someone who's just got a Black Bay 36. Hearing you might be mm. bringing this out in the 36 down the line, that's uh, that's bad news, bears. <laughs> <laughs> there's always ebay for your tudor <laughs> yeah get rid of that overpriced junk who needs it <laughs> uh but no that might be an interesting comparison down the line so you never know <laughs> but i i applaud um rolex for what they've done and i, I do think it go i mean they obviously started at 36 uh, mm. with the explorer one and the you know still today lots of people um find that to be the their, their go-to watch mm. yeah it, it was quite a shock wasn't it for for a brand that only last year incre technically increased mm. their, their most popular watch by one millimeter to then uh, and as well as other models to then jump back to 36 yeah. it's like wow yeah I, it, that was a really uh, really i mean an un a surprising but i, I think uh, I, I think it'll turn out to be a really good move for them yeah uh, mm. A little, a little, you know, uh, and, and in stark contrast to what they did uh, with um, Explorer 2, mm. um, which um, is an interesting sort of exercise in um, um, the Emperor's New Clothes, it seems to me, that they 
what do I know about anything? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, let's have a look. Let's try and see what else I've got uh, on my notes for the uh, talking about the elite. Well, actually, there's something. I don't want to talk too much about the logos because I'm sure you're absolutely sick of hearing people. No, I love them. it. I love it. <laughs> How can you ever be sick of people talking about your brand? That is well, that's just... true. It's Awful. great. It's no great. bad press. Yeah, exactly. That, that was what I was just going to say. But I love, um, it. I love it. I did notice, obviously, that, that all the logos are now at 12. Is is that obviously because people prefer it there? You think the consumers prefer it there? Or was it just a design-led thing that you felt that for symmetry, it's best suited to being at 12 on this occasion? The the, the latter, James. Uh, yeah. I mean, we've, all, we've always used this mm. um, uh, since the launch of the new logo. And we've always, uh, where we felt it appropriate, um, you know, we've always uh, utilised a uh, a 12 o'clock version of the logo. The very original brand documents mm. um, have three versions of the logo, yeah? Mm. One is the left-aligned version. Mm. One is the 12 o'clock central-aligned version. And the other is the twin flags only, yeah? Mm. At some point, yeah, I mean, so back, we started working on the logo in 2015, yeah, mm. it was launched in 2016. Um, my ambition for the brand, yeah, at the right moment in time mm. is to go swoosh only, yeah. Mm. Um, um, so I would love the Twin Flags logo to be the, uh, back to my inherent minimalist mm -hmm. down view of the world, yeah, for better mm. or for worse, yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, you know, our long-term uh, ambition from the very outset was at some point mm. to to go um, twin flag only. We did try it, uh, and people probably forgotten. Some some will will know the motorsport know. range, wasn't it? Correct, yeah. the Rapid collection. And I think uh, that was not our most successful collection. I think we got it wrong in a number of ways. Fantastic case, by the way. I mean, mm. just stunning case but we we overcomplicated things um and we didn't hit we didn't hit the design bullseye at all with that um mm. but but we went down that route and i think we might have already got to twin flags only mm. had that collection been more successful we don't know whether it was i, I don't think there's anything to do with the twin flags logo because we had mm. a lot of people complimenting but because the range itself was not a great success that sort of said well we don't absolutely know which what the reason is mm. For mm. let's carry on um but at, um so at some point maybe um we will move to uh we'll 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 have our nike swoosh only moment and one of my do you, do you remember the nike ad with the when, when they went swoosh only one of my the best ads i ever think in the yeah world. have you have you read the uh shoe dog book yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Very good. So, so, yeah. so, and and people have written to me saying um, there's a there's a there's a very senior marketeer in um, in in the UK um, who um, who takes a great interest in in our brand, which is fantastic. Mm. And we have this regular sort of dialogue. He offers free advice, and I sometimes <laughs> accept it. Um, <laughs> and we have this conversation about the logo. He thinks we're at a point where we could now go swoosh only um i'm not sure um 
but um, but that's these are but but I think this is all interesting stuff, and uh, mm. I still love Left Aligned. I mean, um, it's interesting you say that that's your ambition to sort of go um, with that with that swish only because that's what a lot of people I think suggest when I see um, on on the like the Facebook pages and that a lot of fans of the brand are like, oh, I wish we just had the twin twin flags logo at twelve, um, which obviously is sort of anecdotal and and it's you got to yeah. be wary of going with sort of the vocal minority, um, but I think that is interesting that that's sort of your your ambition and that is that 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 seems to tally with what the core fans are, are saying um they'd like so that, yeah, that no, should I, you know yeah. be good positive yeah, but but, uh, but I, I i as i say i we love the 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 left line mm. it, it's different it creates mm. uh it creates discussion some mm. people hate it we know um but as i keep telling people when we launched it mm. and we launched we changed the logo and the only thing that changed on the watch was the logo. Mm. The only thing that happened is that the sales went up, sometimes by as much as 40 to 50%. Yeah. <laughs> and what it also did was attract a new customer to the brand, mm. slightly younger. Yeah. Mm. And more to more, more late twenties, thirties customers mm. than we'd ever had before, because it's got a sort of um, a modernity about it. Mm. And, and they like the fact that I hate the word disruptive. Um, mm. Because you know what does that mean in a sense? But people people can I suppose describe you as we would we we've never ever described ourselves as disruptive. But people do say about it that it's a it's quite disruptive, and so it fits a sort of a those people who are not herd followers. Yeah. yeah. And 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 curious, uh, you know, what we know about our customers, and never mind the the obvious demographic stuff, is that they they tend. Um, to be um, you know, more curious minded, they tend to be non-herd followers. They're more independent spirited, mm. a bit like yourself, James, um, <laughs> and uh, more intelligent, you know? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> always, always good looking, um, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so so it, it kind of fits the Christopher Ward ethos and brand psyche. Yeah. Um, but I know um, it doesn't appeal to everybody, and um, I'd love everybody to uh, to to love everything we do. If they did, we'd be doing something wrong because mm. it would be we'd be such a vanilla brand. It would yeah. be um, it would be awful, I suspect. But there you go. Yeah, that's fair enough. Okay, well, thanks for that. Um, I think now we'll move on to some questions. Like I say, from the um, Christopher Ward enthusiasts Facebook page, they've given me tons and i'll try and we've talked about a lot of what they've asked actually so um there shouldn't be too much sure um but one of the themes actually and we we have touched on this um is in regards to ranges and obviously it's been very dive and tool watch focused lately um are there plans to bring back sort of motorsport dress aviation ranges or do you think that the brand's moving in a slightly different direction um we have an aviation watch at the moment in the collection. Mm -hmm. It's just under the MOD. Um, oh, of course, the Cranwell. The Cranwell. Um, um, we have. Um, we we still have um, a partnership with Morgan, so we have the Morgan watches. Um, we constantly review it. The, the truth of it is that the segment for the size of the segment for aviation, mm. um, but and motorsport is is surprisingly small mm. 
And the blurring of the lines, I think, um, that exists now across these key platforms um, um, means that to some extent, um, if we introduce a, um, if we introduce, let's say, a, um, a simpler feel style watch into at any point into the Sealander collection, mm. that effectively does that job, mm. and you know can also then move into aviation. So if you look at what people are calling aviation watches today, yeah. um, it's not it's not going back to the in the main the core roots of the Bichuren look that IWC mm. established mm. all those years ago, mm. uh, and there are so many that have copied and ate that Bichuren look, which um, mm. you know is is a great looking watch. It's I, I've got in my own collection. I've got you know I love it. I, I love and I, IWC. Less so now, I have to say, but if I go back 20 years, um, were probably my favorite brand. Yeah, mm. I just think they had that beautiful simplicity back to that sort of ethos of design. And mm. the, quality, the quality was superb. Uh, whether, they, whether they quite got it as crisp as, uh, as, as, as they used to have, I'm not sure. Um, but, but it's been done to death. Mm. Um, and it's a, it seems to me that some of these things are now just a, um, a scramble to the bottom. Mm. Um, and I uh, don't think that's where we are um, anymore and um, don't wish to be. Um, mm. So unless we can find a route that we think we can really add some interest and value into, no, because it has to be really good to make a splash in that market commercially Mm. because those markets are very small now, yeah. aviation is now less than 10 percent of the total watch market same with pure motorsport and but the the lines are so very blurred mm. um you and i might think of as an aviation or a motorsport watch might not be somebody else's view of it these days mm. and i think we have some of these watches in our collection anyway but mm. uh, they may need to be promoted or sold in a different way yeah um, no, that's well said, and that's fair enough. I think obviously sales speak for themselves. And again, go back to like I mentioned, vocal minority people might say they want a motorsport or an aviation watch, but unless they're purchasing um, them on mass, yeah. then yeah. you as a company have to make commercial decisions based on sales. Um, yeah. So yeah. So uh, the next question is um, actually talking about bracelets um so roger bennett asks are there plans for half links on your bracelets uh i'm delighted to say yes and they'll be um they'll be coming in um pretty soon so oh, good. Uh, we uh you know this is where uh, listening to uh, listening to um the people who are interested in the brand have been saying it for a while um mm. and uh, we eventually um bit the bullet invested in the mm tooling and engineering that's required and so it'll be a gradual feed-in from um probably a couple of, in a couple of months time mm -hmm. um, and then by this time next year all of our bracelets will be half linked um we're, we're also interested back to back to that sort of thing i mean you know um you know we're, we're still one of the very few brands that have quick release bracelets mm -hmm. um yeah. which is something we absolutely believe in yeah. Um, the micro adjustment is, is, is amongst the best there is mm. half links is great, but I've got to tell you, and, and, and Adrian, I was only talking about this yesterday. Um, I look at what, and he, he 
showed me um, showed me um, the um, the swatch bracelet mm. and the mechanism for changing that. I've got to say, you know, poor, that that's a that's a challenge that I I I I've set us now to to really how can we how can we move bracelets on um, mm. at some point in the next sort of um, couple of years um, but it's uh, bracelets are um, I think you know with the half um, with the half links great with quick release fantastic with micro adjustments brilliant but how do we move it even beyond mm. that it's a it's a niche within a niche that but it, I I've started to think about that recently it is really interesting how brands are evolving how they do bracelets and straps and how mm. i mean it's still now if you don't know that much about watches my mum if she wants her link changed on a, on a watch for her it's a huge thing and if i didn't do it, it probably it would would be as well you probably have to go to a jewelers and get it and get it sorted mm. but but we are yeah. now starting to see steps of of half links like you said and, and micro adjustment changes where in a few years time it anyone's going to be able to do it and i remember i think cartier yeah. done it with with the santos a few years ago as well so yeah it's, oh, no, it's, it's got to be right it's got to be right it's 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 what the customer would want i mean it's what you and i would want and why uh, it's it, and it's demythologizing some of the uh some of this mm. stuff really yeah, yeah and removing those barriers that so it I mean, can, yeah exactly can right further. exactly right yeah mm. Um, next question is from an Alan Rolf who says, are there plans to use the SH21 in more models as opposed to sort of Solita calibers? Uh, yes. Um, and um, something very exciting will be launched um, in the autumn uh, with SH21. Can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Again. it's all, it's always in our thoughts mm. uh, and uh, is a, now an established part of, uh, of, uh, of our range structure. Mm. So if again, if the Sealander uh, collection works, mm -hmm. um, and we think that there is a there is room at the very top for our for SH21, and we can then we'll introduce it into into there mm. um, as well. So, uh, uh, but yeah, there's something uh, the guys are working on. Um, well, have more or less finished work on now, but um, uh, just a, a stunning watch coming out um, in the autumn to do with SH21. Can't wait. Another one where it's a case of watch this space. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, well, uh, yeah, pun, pun, no pun intended, but yes, um, um, it is It is a very special watch. Okay, well, I look forward to that. Um, now, Dennis Kwok asks, follow, this is sort of following on talking about movements, he asks about um, Salita. And um, obviously, they've been suffering not just you, you, not just Christopher Ward, um, but the Salitas have been known to have issues lately with uh, spinning rotors. Um, no. um yeah i mean the, the the there's been a bit of an issue for a while with mm. um the reverse wheel um yeah. in, in some of their movements um which we picked up a long time ago mm. um uh all of our movements go through um 100% in-house inspection mm -hmm. um, um so we eradicate um because it's a very simple fix um, mm. um one of the Benefits we have of um, of using Salita is that we have a um, a straight line into um, Johanna Shanka, who is yeah. the technical director now at Salita, uh, mm -hmm. who used to be our master watchmaker, mm -hmm. and he is very familiar with this issue, and is I think is uh, largely eradicated it now on on current movements. So in our in our the reason the that we went with Salita over Etta, by we still use Etta movements, but mm -hmm. for the the big workhorse movement, which is obviously the 200, 
Um, mm. The reason we went with Salita is because over time, the, in our inspection, in our quality checks, Salita outperformed the 2824. Um, and I think that's down to, as much as anything, the investment in new mm. um, plants and machinery that um, Salita have, uh, have mm. made over the last sort of 10 years. Yeah. Which is all about, you know, it, it, precision in watchmaking is all to do with the sharpness and the tolerances mm. of the components that go into yeah. it. And if you've got newer, more modern machinery, you're going to get sharper, better componentry. Mm. Um, that's not to say that Etta haven't invested, but I know the level of investment that um, Mr. Garcia has put into Salita is astonishing. Mm. Uh, and that's why we think that, that, that they are on balance the yeah. more reliable movement today. Oh, uh, and the, the, the other thing that we haven't spoken about in the Sealander yeah. is where we think you may you may know better than I on this, but we think we'll be the first brand to introduce the 330 stroke two uh, GMT movement. Oh, yes. Uh, which has a larger power reserve. I did notice we're so. up to up to 56 hours. Mm. And al although not a true GMT, because originally mm. we thought when we heard about the development that it was going to be a true GMT, which is going to be mm. quite exciting. Mm. But what they've done is they've massively the ETA and the Salita um, up till this point, the what I used to call the, or still do the randomness of the GMT hand in its setting, mm. Mm. you know, is very clunky. Mm -hmm. And what they've done is a superb job in smoothing that out. So it's functionally better mm -hmm. and as a, uh, you know, 40% improvement in the power reserve. So that's a, and we think we're the first brand to, to introduce it. Um, I've not seen it anywhere else so far. Um, and we know it's only just, we placed the order before anybody else. And we think um, it'll be the first on the market. So that will be interesting as well for people. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, so the penultimate question I've got, um, is when will the next two Apex models be released? Um, cause obviously there were plans, um, initially I yeah. believe for four, was it? Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. And one of them was to be aviation. Mm. Um, what's coming out in, um, in, um, in November, as mm. I've just alluded to, yeah. um, isn't called an Apex, but in some ways, it's usurped where we were headed on yeah. Apex. It's overtaken mm. what was great about Apex, and the Apex was fantastic for us. And we could still introduce mm. further Apex models, but we're headed in a slightly different direction. Yeah. And it's, uh, I think, a, a better direction, or a, or a, it deserves to be ahead of yeah. any, any Apexes. And uh, hopefully when people see it, They'll yeah. go. Oh, yeah, I can see why they've done that. Um, it doesn't mean we won't we won't uh, introduce a, further Apex models, but you mm. know we can only do so much. At yeah, any of course. Time. And uh, when this idea was mooted, uh, it was such a nil-brainer. Um, we, um, we we decided to uh, Frank Stelzer, who's our uh, technical director in uh, in Beale, um, and some of the people that we work with closely um, that we've mentioned earlier. Have been working on something that I think is um, is very exciting for us. Um, uh, and then beyond that, um, not an apex, but we are uh, we're working on a, a C1. So you know, dress watches mm. are are an interesting arena, aren't they? And uh, mm -hmm. definitely, as a mix of everybody's ranges, they have uh, they have reduced in size. Whether or not you'd consider Sealander dress, modern dress, mm. I think you probably would 
well, no, it's back to the blurring of these lines. Where, yeah, yeah. Where, what is a dress watch and what isn't a dress watch these days? Mm-hmm. Um, but in people's recognition of what a dress watch, a more traditional um, dress watch might look like, mm-hmm. um, we're working on something for launch in 2022, which if we can get the, and again, there's, there's a lot of work going on at the moment and some technical difficulties in doing what we're trying to do, delivering what we're trying to deliver with it will be for those who love the more traditional watch um let's say i think we'll be astonished by what's uh, what's in the works it's uh, and th- th- i can guarantee you mm. not another watch in the world like it i mean that's that's quite yeah. a good that's quite a good sentence yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Some, that's not somebody will hold me to that won't they and uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, this will be thrown back at me at some yeah. point uh, but, but um, but but it, it, it actually it, it it is true somebody might get there before us, but um, we've actually already developed a movement um, that's gone into because uh, I mean most people I mean you know one of the I think one of the successes of um, of uh, of uh, watches and wonder was um, the Mighty Singer Bellora. Mm. Yeah. I mean that's our we make all of ninety nine percent of uh, Mighty Singer's watches. That's our movement. Right. So, so we developed that movement. So um, you, there may be a clue there about where we go, but um, but 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 we wouldn't do. We we've got a different, very different spin on it. So it's um, for ourselves, which is very exciting, I think. It does sound exciting. Giving too yeah. much away, the designers are going to go mad. They're going to go bonkers at me. <laughs> what are you doing, Mike? It's not final. It's not final. <laughs> oh dear. Bless him. But. Oh, well, uh, again, another one I'm sure we can't wait to see. Um, and lastly, um, you mentioned, I think, right at the start about how strong US sales were for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the final question, I'm hoping I pronounced this gentleman's last name correctly, from Bill uh, Bochnak, uh, yeah. is any plans for a physical presence in the US, um, to, I guess, to help with import duty costs and servicing, etc.? um not at the moment no, no. It's, uh, um um the um the the i mean literally these days it's uh we often get to certainly the east coast um mm. you know within 24 hours um mm. so the world has shrunk mm-hmm. uh, we we're about to in the next few weeks we're about to uh, add a um a benefit to our customers who are buying um or at least shipping to uh, to overseas territories like the US, um, where we will introduce sort of um, a process which allows uh, them to see clearly taxes and uh, and duties before they purchase. Mm. We're one of the first 50 re- retailers in the world to do it. Never mind, and we think we'll be the first watch by a long way. Uh, and with our um, partner um, DHL, who we have a very close partnership with, you know getting through the the nightmare that has been Europe and um, Brexit at one level mm. and also into the States um, at another level, you know, they, they are becoming um, really, really adept um, at um, taking those barriers down. Um, so there is, at this stage, we don't think there is any need for us to have a mm. physical presence over there. But you never say never. Um, but, but the honest answer is right now, there are no plans. 
No, that's fair enough. Um, and as you say, with shipping being so quick, etc., and the new features you're introducing for taxes, it sort of, I think, eliminates a lot of people. The reason why a lot of customers want that. Um, yeah, it's back to this transparency, James. Mm, you know, mm. if, uh, um, if I was a customer and uh, I suddenly got lumped with a, uh, even though all brands tend to say duties will be charged, if you don't mm. know what it is, and suddenly you've bought a watch at $1,000 and it's got a pretty hefty um, mm. duty charge that you didn't, you weren't aware of, mm. I'm not happy. You know, mm. so mm. We, 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 there's, a, there's a new program that allows you to, uh, to, to, show all of this it's you know it's, and i think that will transform it's back to the whole ethos of transparency and people knowing what they what they're what they're in for um yeah. and so uh, that that's due to be launched within the next couple of months on our website so people should look out for that great great well, good. yeah hopefully that'll uh, i say keep a lot of us customers happy <laughs> yeah i hope so yeah yeah perfect well, I, I think that takes us to the end of the episode. Um, thank you very much, Mike, for joining us um, and for sharing the Sealander collection. No, it's a real pleasure. Yeah. Okay. No, well, it's been great to have you, and I'm sure they'll do very well. So if you are listening to this and the sound of the Sealanders takes your fancy, then head over to Christopher Ward's website, the only place you can buy them, and uh, check them out. They'll have some lovely marketing pictures and Lots of delightful details to tempt you. Um, so thank you very much to you, Mike, again, and to you, Tim, for joining me. Um, thank you. Much appreciated. And, uh, yeah, to all you at home, thank you very much as well, and we'll catch you on the next one. Cheers. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Time to Unwind podcast. If you enjoyed listening, we'd love to hear from you. So please leave your ratings of the show through your podcast app. And be sure to reach out on social media at WatchGecko with your thoughts. Adding a rating and a comment really does help the podcast. So we'd be grateful for your support. Thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.